millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Namaste, Yoga Revealed podcast community. Today we have an exciting and pretty funny episode to share with you. A few weeks ago, I was so blessed to teach yoga at Symbiosis Gathering in California and highlight some key players at the festival for our podcast. Today, we have two short interviews to share with you on this single episode. First, we will hear from J.P. Sears, the ultra-spiritual enlightened brother who shares satirical comments on the many concepts found in yoga, the spiritual communities, and our life. He truly has a humble heart, and he removes the character and reveals to us who he is. Secondly, we hear from Kumare, who has an awesome Netflix film titled The True Story of a False Prophet. He shares some beautiful gemstones with us about ritual and the practice of yoga itself. Enjoy this episode, and be sure to laugh. In order for us to have a long-lasting relationship with yoga, humor is a major key player in this. Thanks for listening as we highlight J.P. Sears and Kumare while at Symbiosis Gathering. Namaste, my friends, and welcome to the Yoga Revealed podcast. This is Alec, and I'm here at Symbiosis Gathering, and it's a beautiful, hot day. I'm sitting across from Brother J.P. Sears, and uh, I uh, don't know how to introduce you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no matter how you would introduce me, it wouldn't be good enough. I so I appreciate you not even trying. <laughs> yeah, I have red hair and blue eyes. That's probably the most important thing of, that I've accomplished in life. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> so, JP, it's a, it's a pleasure to sit across from you and have you just share with us what you're sharing with the world, because mm. I think that you're bringing a lot of laughter and light and uh, illumination to... I don't really know how to call it, but can you just, in, in your experience, A, what inspired you to start highlighting these, uh, this festival scene, maybe the yogi scene, the Shanti Shanti mm-hmm. woo-woo scene to some extent? Yeah. What, what made you want to like start illuminating that? Yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you for having me on your offering to the world, Alec. I appreciate you being weird enough to want me on uh, your podcast. But yeah, what made me start the kind of the comedic satirical look at the new age spiritual world that I I do is uh, I think first and foremost coming more to terms with my own spirituality you know my spiritual practice my journey is very meaningful to me uh, which means along the way I've put on a lot of layers of dogma where I do believe that the path that I've you know originally taken to find myself I was starting to lose myself on it so I think learning how to become um, less attached to my beliefs, like still believe my beliefs, but don't believe my beliefs as deeply, like maybe hold them meaningfully uh, to me, but not believe my beliefs as much because uh, I find like my interpretation of my beliefs, my interpretation of my spiritual practice, my growth practice, um, my interpretation of it can lead me astray. 
Um, so yeah, long story short, helping myself become more balanced in my own life was what started it. And, um, and then also if I can act like a crusader for a second, you know, I would see from my perspective, what I would judge to be some shady things happening, especially in the world of like psychedelics and plant medicines where uh, people were, not all people by any means, but some people were acting out a lot of perpetrator behavior, uh, taking advantage of people sexually, emotionally, um, and very much energetically uh, under the guise of plant medicines and growth. And I'm like, you know what, the, there's something that keeps victims a victim, and that's when the victims don't have a voice. And, and I can see that other people are seeing, you know, kind of a self-diagnosed shaman. Um, some of them doing unethical things, others of them doing wonderful things. But, you know, I, and some close friends of mine really had their lives hurt by putting themselves into the victimhood with some of these people. So, uh, long story short, uh, I also wanted to give voice to where there was some victimization. Um, because I think that needs to happen. I don't think it's convenient because it creates a little bit of a disruption, and I think that's inherently a good thing. So, yeah, long story short, there's a little bit of that in there, too. No, thank you for sharing that. I think that's great insight just into who you are as a human being and how you're further showing up in the world because, you know, when we see you on your YouTube channel and then the panel, you know, we see this, this person who is able to just kind of step forward with, they're, they're heart open, hands behind your back, and you're just speaking fun, and you're being funny, but you're being somewhat just like so organically you. It's, it's really uh, 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 promising, I think. It's, it's you. You're not putting on a show for anyone else, but you're showing up. It's beautiful. Yeah, unless it's one big facade, and I've even convinced myself, <laughs> so it might be like a show that's like the Truman Show. Maybe I'm doing that to myself. Wouldn't that be bad? Alec, do you think I'm doing that? <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know how to take that. But I'm maybe screwed, but maybe not. But anyway. <laughs> JP, so, you know, our podcast is Yoga Reveal. I definitely want to talk about your satire in a little more, but I'm curious, mm -hmm. what is your relationship to yoga, and how was yoga revealed to you in your life? Yeah, my relationship with yoga, I'm mostly an estranged lover with yoga. Uh, I won't at all pretend, at least when I'm not in character, I won't at all pretend that I'm a diehard yogi. When I do yoga, I feel wonderful in my body. Yet my honest truth is I very rarely get myself to do it. It's like I don't like doing yoga while it's happening, but I love how I feel after it. Uh, and it's, there's definitely some kind of block because you know there's the disconnect. Like It makes me feel great, but why don't I do it very much? So there's a little bit of self-sabotage going on. Um, but yeah, you know, so along the way I do yoga sporadically uh, would be the, my best relationship with it. Beautiful. And how, when in your life did that come about? Yeah, actually, that's interesting. Um, when I was probably like five years ago at this point, maybe six years ago, uh, I tore the meniscus in my left knee. I was doing some kind of workout, you know, weight training, actually pushing a car. Uh, for a workout and I just heard this terrible tearing sound but I didn't feel anything I thought I might have stepped on a stick even though there were no sticks around but it sounded like a stick breaking oh, no. and crunching and then on my next go around my next set same thing happened so within a couple hours like I couldn't move my knee it was just so swollen and horrible so you know it, it was very debilitated for about six weeks i could barely walk on it hindsight i shouldn't have walked on it should have just used crutches so i was doing all the kind of like fancy physical therapy nothing was helping and at this point like i'm getting worried like i, I don't want to do surgery but i'm not dogmatically against it if it becomes absolutely necessary so after just kind of like nothing was working I uh, put in a, a yoga DVD that someone had recommended to me, and I followed along an hour-long practice. And after about a, I don't know, maybe a half a week, it was ridiculously quick, my knee was feeling significant relief. Now, maybe it was just a coincidence in the timeline of the healing. Maybe it was the yoga, but my mind does believe like the yoga started to help. 
So I kept doing it, and I became actually pretty diligent back then because like, I'm getting dramatic uh, pain relief in my knee, and it's becoming more and more functional through what I would bring to be yoga. So that was my how I lost my yoga virginity. But I think my yoga virginity's kind of grown back a little bit, <laughs> as it does with other kind of virginities. <laughs> yes. Wow, I'm happy to see that you're walking and your leg is healthy. Yeah. And that, that's a great revealing of yoga. Thank you. Yeah. So I liked how you said, uh, when I'm not on character. Yeah. I, so I, I feel like right now I'm sitting across from JP, if that's your real name. Is that your real name? Uh, it's a good question. My opinion is that it's mostly my real name. <laughs> and my birth certificate, it says Jonathan Patrick Sears. John but I've always, I've always gone by JP. JP, cool. And so when you're in character and you're on stage in front of the panel, like I truly had total love for mm. you and for oh, your experience you. and listening to you because... You're bringing laughter to people, and I think that is just such a gift to bring mm -hmm. laughter to people, and, and to you know, like I can see it in your eyes, the the sense of happiness that laughter produces inside of it. It's a visceral experience. Yeah. However, I'd say, do you feel judgment from those that you're speaking towards in the crowd when you're talking about some like you know volatile subjects? Yeah. You know, how do you transmute? these volatile things that are, you know, we, that, 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 that the projection from others, perhaps, yeah. that you may or may not feel. I'm curious, could you kind of navigate that? Yeah, you know, if I didn't feel at least some judgment from the crowd, then I would say I'm not doing my job right. Um, it, my job isn't at all, I'm not dysfunctional enough to go out there and say, like, I'm here to make people mad at me. No. Mm -hmm. But but I've one of my biggest diseases in life is I've been a people pleaser my whole life. So doing my best to heal and grow beyond that, I now realize you know, when I'm on stage or doing a video, my job isn't to please people. My job is to serve a higher purpose. And I think ultimately, you know, the uh, one of the underlying messages of my videos and a stage performance is holding up a mirror for people. I think they deserve better than a people pleaser. I think they deserve better than a belligerent, defiant little child dressed up in an adult body just trying to p piss people off. <coughs> Excuse me. I think people deserve someone who's willing to hold up a mirror and say, here's a perspective. Is this true for you? And I think when people get judgment, feel offended, that's actually a beautiful experience. You know, when it's not intentionally, I'm trying to hurt someone. But I think it's a beautiful experience because they're seeing, in my opinion, they're seeing something about themselves that they haven't seen before. And why they might feel an emotional charge is there's a reason why they haven't seen it about themselves before. We've been repressing it. You know, when there's something about ourselves we don't like, we tend to suppress it or repress it so that it's there, it's true for us, but we don't know it. I think there's far more about ourselves that we don't know compared to what we do know. So... When we're, in my opinion, when we're making contact with a part of us, an aspect of ourself that is insecure, holds shame, or has fears, or has been wearing a facade and it's just actually been called out underneath the facade, or the facade's been taken away because I model it on stage, or I speak a judgment that, ooh, that's, uh, that's true for me, and I'm getting offended by what you said, JP, because I'm projecting myself on you. So I think it's very natural for us to project our judgments and feeling offended onto whoever's making the noise and am I whoever's holding up the mirror so I do I do think it's a I'm biased because I'm talking about myself but I do think it's a therapeutic process to allow people to get offended when people connect to an emotion whether that that emotional connection is expressed through laughter or it's expressed through a oh, I can't believe he said that and oh, that's so you know how dare he like, success either way someone's connected to an emotion and I don't think emotions just float out of the ether I think our emotions kind of like at least metaphorically are cellularly held by parts of our psyche so if we've connected to a new emotion be it what we call pleasant or unpleasant I think we've connected to the part of us that's been holding that emotion and I think all of our emotions are about us ultimately uh, but first typically in the practice of 
how we come to terms with our own psyches, we typically project that emotion onto someone else before we start to own it uh, and realize, yeah, here's the truth about me that this emotion is telling. Wow, thank you. I, I, I want to comment on two things. One, so if, to me, it almost feels like you're really stepping into this space to be a channel. You know, and say someone is having this judgment arise or like this, like, total little bit of aversion to what you're saying and what you're speaking to. So they're spitting some poison at you. You know, it doesn't land on you. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't seep into you because you are holding a mirror and it's just going to drip straight down the mirror and you're not going to absorb it in. You know, it's almost like you have this protective layer because you're a channel. Like you said, in my experience, I think you're being a channel mm. too. And I don't know if you know what I mean by being a channel. I'm sure we could riff on that and make fun of that. Just channeling your, your <laughs> archangel. I think you're channeling my higher self right now. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, I definitely you know follow I mean, you though. for sure. For sure. And uh, uh, the second as you know, I, uh, it's so fluid how you move from topic to topic to topic where, mm. and I'm curious, like when you're going through all these talks, you know, it was the first time that I've seen you talk. I've watched some of your YouTube channels and they're, they're very funny. Um, but when you're up there, is it just like fluid and you know where you're going or like, is it a script that you have written in your mind or it's pretty organic? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, you know, like on the plane ride out here, I did some idea. Okay. Here's, the symbiosis crowd or symbi symbiotic crowd or whatever the um so yeah i did plot out some ideas so there's definitely some scripting in there and definitely improv so that's a dimension of the comedy uh just like the you know the videos i do they're mostly scripted and i've actually come to really enjoy that part of the creative process and then there's a whole other dimension to the um, stage performances uh, and the comedy, which is just improv, like uh, uh, last night, Kumari and ultra spiritual JP were on stage, and that was 100% improv. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, it's different, yet it, you know it's part of the same thing, but a different expression. And I really enjoy both the scripting because it helps me get in touch with a you know one creative well, and then the improv that helps me get in touch with like a different creative well i think ultimately they're probably fed by the same underground aquifer in this mm. analogy that i'm probably sticking cool. to for too long <laughs> well with that analogy let's move on to another analogy i've got one to share and i want an analogy for this next analogy so i can better understand the analogy so let's see here sometimes i've heard a lot of my friends say I wish I could go back. Like, take me back there. Take me back to this weekend to that weekend. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that. And for me, you know, when I've heard that, I hope to seek an amount of presence in my life where, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm present, and I'm absorbing this moment in where it'd be great to come back, but I know that it's not nice. gonna be how that exact moment is, you know, because I don't know what my life holds tomorrow, and I yeah. don't know what my life holds tonight but I know what this moment is and I know what this last moment was. So in the transformational festival scene, the transformational gathering, I know Symbiosis likes to be aligned as a gathering yeah. over a festival. Um, what is it about this gathering space that we as attendees and participants as in community co-creators, how can we use this as a tool? I'm really curious what your perspective is, how we can use this entire space of dancing, talks like yours, workshops, um, art. Yeah. How, how is this a tool? Yeah, for me, uh, and I love that question because, you know, to me, like a gathering like this, which is very, uh, it's a magical experience, it really is. But a gathering like this is, to me, power potential. It doesn't necessarily mean the power is going to be expressed in a constructive way that serves us or a de destructive way that disserves us. But it's like, okay, how am I relating to this gathering? What meaning am I bringing to it and looking to get from it? So for me, um, looking for inspiration uh, is kind of like, I love listening to music and I get a lot of inspiration from certain musicians, which in a way is weird because like I don't play music, but I find so much creative inspiration from it. So when I listen to a song, it's like, okay, what can I take from this? 
it's some kind of inspiration by watching other people step into their brilliance, mm. watching other people step deeper into being themselves, and honestly, watching other people, whether they know it or not, channel something. Whatever wants to live through them, when they're in the act of giving themselves permission to allow it to live through them, to me, that's inspiration. And we might blame it on this song, like, ah, oh, it's an amazing song, or that's an amazing performance, or that's an amazing DJ. But I think what we're really saying is, I enjoy experiencing, uh, I enjoy experiencing what my five senses can't comprehend right now. Some part of me is in awe by how this person is letting something incredibly large live through them right now. And I think we can, at times, be either very inspired or deflated by that, you know how there's like haters, like when you watch someone do brilliant stuff, we always find, oh, well, screw them because here's what's wrong with them. It, so we can check ourselves on that and find like, okay, who here inspires me? What artist or person who I bump into in line? Like actively mining what makes me feel inspired here and letting ourselves just be a witness to that. And honestly, I think there's a purpose for our memory so that we can recall that. So when we roll out of the festival, take a shower and discover, wow, there's been a human being hiding under all this dust. For me, we can have some inertia from a festival like this if we're searching for meaning and inspiration. Uh, but I do think it starts with awareness because we can walk around the whole festival completely blinded as well and maybe have a good time. And there's great purpose to that. And we can also have maybe our two eyes open to the good time, but our third eye open to the inspiration. And if we're aware of that, I think it probably, the, the gathering serves us potentially long after the gathering happens. Yes, integration. Yeah. So I have two questions aside to piggyback on that. One would be, when inspiration arises, how do we harness inspiration and do something with it? You know, yeah. like what's that visceral experience like in your opinion, in your experience? Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I won't pretend to have like a one size fits all answer, but the best I do with that is kind of like, I would actually not say harness it, like not try and control it, but try to be of service to it and yeah. in a way like obey it. So it's kind of like a good surfer. They're not trying to harness the waves. They're not trying to be in control of the waves. They're trying to be very obedient to the waves. Right. And it's like beautiful. So like when I get creative inspiration, for me, it's like paddling into the waves. So I need to act on it. And it might be a video idea. And I was like, okay, I might be like sitting on, in, in an airplane seat. Like I literally can't make a video right now. And I get that. But I'll pull out my phone and make some notes on it. So that's me acting on the wave. It's like me inviting this wave of inspiration. Yes, okay, it's here. So taking some kind of action for me, whether that's fully acting on it now or an action that I'm gonna then perpetuate further into the future, like, okay, here's my notes and then I'll uh, work with this more and you know do filming on it next week or whenever it is. So yeah, otherwise, if we don't take action, like I think we're in three-dimensional bodies for a reason. Like. Yes, our emotional, mental, and spiritual elements. And by the way, you know, what's the difference between all of those? Who knows? It's probably just our delusional sense of separation. But I know all that stuff's cool. And sometimes we discount the physical body. Like, this is a freaking miracle, this physical body. And, and if we don't use this miracle called our physical body to take some kind of action, then we might be the surfer sitting on a beautiful surfboard with beautiful surfing skills and we watch all the damn waves pass us by. I don't think any of us are short on inspiration. We might be short on the awareness to recognize inspiration. We might be short on being able to unconstipate ourselves to allow the, the, the inspiration to express itself. So it's just kind of like the ocean. I think the ocean's never short on waves. It always serves them up. Sometimes the waves are bigger than other times but i think those we always have the opportunity to paddle into the inspiration via our action mm. so in light of awareness and becoming aware and becoming mindful of a inspiration kind of side topicing from the inspiration discussion into just what awareness is mm. and how Gosh, it's, a, it's such an interesting conversation to say, like, uh, I'm aware of this and you're not. Yeah. I think it's so silly. But then 
there are definitely some uh, uh, levels of attention that are not present with certain individuals that maybe I have interactions with. And I think for me, personally speaking, those interactions are very important. So how do you show up in that space? If you're having a conversation with someone, maybe out in this festival world right now, or just out in in the daily life, you know, and you're clearly communicating with someone who's like, oh, you know, there's maybe a little bit of a veil here. You know, how do you hold space for that to reduce dogma or to, you know, hold space for some form of transformational experience or an observational experience yeah i don't know if that makes sense yeah i don't know either but it's not going to stop me from thinking it does cool um (laughs) yeah you know and i won't pretend for a second that i'm always like in a space of holding space for other people i mean i I can walk around and i can be i spend a lot of time completely dissociated Mm -hmm. and just like i'm a zombie and other times yeah maybe i am holding decent space so you know, for me, it's helpful to be do my best to be aware. If I could, by chance, use that word as we riff on it, but be aware when I go to sleep. It's like okay, it's hard to get out of uh, hard hard to get out of a jail that you don't know you're in. So when I notice myself zoned out, dissociated, like okay, noticing that paradoxically is a key to become more deeply aware. And I think even becoming aware when I am aware. And then you know, we can build on that, become aware that I'm aware that I'm aware. <laughs> uh, I think that breeds awareness. And then I think also being a curious student. Uh, nice. When I'm in an interaction with a person, and you know, I do think everybody has a, something to teach me. And, and I don't think that teaching has to do with me comprehending the lesson. I think it has to do with me being open and curious not so damn caught up in what am I going to say to make this person like me and make them think that I'm cool, make them think that I'm spiritual, or make them think that I don't care about being spiritual, which makes me even more spiritual because I just don't give a crap. But being a, you know, kind of just having my ears open. And I think you know, if you add an H to the word ear, you, and then a T at the end, you get heart. It's a little <laughs> stretch there, but screw it. I'm going to make this stretch. So opening my ears so I can be a curious student I think that that allows my heart to be shared with someone and it maybe invites me to receive what they have to offer um, without being so damn self-centric and of course I'll get self-centric that's maybe 50% of the equation uh, but yeah that's, that's my thought thank you I love that what comes up for me is in light of the listening space I think listening is a, a great skill to cultivate and uh, I, I think it takes time and practice for anyone, but uh, a mantra comes to mind. My good friend of mine, best friend of mine, Kiefer, he says, listen, breathe, speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that to just always be of high, high value yeah. in connecting with people. Yeah, and I love how uh, your friend Kiefer sounds like a very well-cultured person, by the way, but I love how there's both the, the feminine of listen, space in between of breathe and then speak you know i think some of us can just okay i'm gonna always just listen that's what i'm gonna do but that doesn't give us a way to connect back to a person so i think you know uh becoming disconnected and avoidant of other people um let's not hide that behind i'm just a good listener i think we do need to speak because that's how we reach our hand out and return to grab the other person i think listening is we watch the person's hand come towards us and that's wonderful and then we speak our piece as well we acknowledge and we share and that's our hand greeting their hand in uh, connection awesome so i i like this kefir person that you drink he's the best friend of mine super brother soul brother for sure (laughs) i'm an only child So T- Kiefer doesn't have a lot of competition, is what you're saying? Is he really that good of a friend? We're going to get to the bottom of this, Alec. That's funny. He's amazing. So two more questions, JP. Yeah. One would be, well, the second one's kind of a request, but yeah. the first one is we'd like to end the podcast with a golden nugget of wisdom that you would like to offer our fan base. We've got such a tight community of online listeners who are just 
deeply inspired from master teachers and those who are, I think, cultivating consciousness and mindfulness and just bringing attention as they carry forward on their path, whether they're practitioners or teachers or just, you know, people living the human life. Yeah. Golden nugget of wisdom from J.P. Sears. Oh, yeah, well, it'll be a nugget. I think gold is always in the eye of the beholder. So this beholder who's about to speak it, I think this is gold. Um, I'd invite people to every day do something that scares you. Mm. Uh, we all have our comfort zones and, you know, what what used to be a new thing for us that was our, you know, stepping outside of our comfort zone last year. Well, th that becomes our new comfort zone after a while. So I think... I think there's a call to quest, kind of like our own hero's journey, to t then take another step. Do something that scares us. Jump off the proverbial cliff of our own comfort zone. Because I think in the, the outside of our comfort zone is more of who we really are. I think we're, who we are is really a mystery. And I think that mystery, there's a quote I love, you know, who we are, it's, uh, it's not a question to be answered or a riddle to be solved. It's a mystery to be experienced. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we experience that mystery when we're in the, the protection of our comfort zone. So whatever that scaring ourselves might be, I think is a good thing. And we all have a logical mind who knows like, okay, I could stand on the edge of a literal cliff and jump off. That would be scary. So is that what JP's saying? Like, no, not violating our self-preservation instinct from the physical but yes violate our emotional self-preservation instinct um, because otherwise i think we're living a life avoiding ourselves. and i think when we're rooted in our comfort zone we're strictly avoiding ourself our true self not who we think we are and um, we all need a comfort zone we're all going to have it whether we want it or not but the question is can we challenge ourselves to intentionally purposefully step out of that comfort zone mm as regularly as we can. I think that for me was the rainbow nuggets. <clears throat> That's <was> good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so, for sure. last one, can you offer, for some of our listeners, you know, I think podcasts are great when you're going to work or you're just cleaning the house, whatever. Can you, can you make us laugh? Tell us something that, you know, that you, in the last 24 hours, something that maybe you'd like to create a satirical creation of. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I've got enough ideas that I'm... Uh, yeah, so here's one. I'm developing a... Uh, this actually isn't a joke. Uh, so I might be... I might get the question wrong, Alec, but screw it, I'm going to go with it anyway. But something that I am in the process of doing is developing a, a, a new character. He's a man bun, yogi, uh, womanizer. Um, so I'm excited about that. But as far as, so that kind of made you giggle. Does that qualify? It's, I think it's funny. You can also make fun of me if you want. I'm a total yogi here. Well, I, I will... Sitting in a weird position uh, on a chair. Yeah, I will. And I've been staring at your crotch for oh, half goodness. an hour at this point. So oh, that's God. been nothing but majestic. <laughs> but I will say this, and it, it's actually not meant to be humorous, but it makes part of me giggle sometimes. I do think there's two types of people in this world. Those who are emotionally wounded and those who are in denial of being emotionally wounded. And, and I think uh, it's giving ourselves permission to be more fully human when we realize, yeah, I've, I've got my scrapes, I've got my wounds, I've got my gashes. Uh, I spend a lot of time pretending they're not there. And part of me is silly enough that uh, I believe that makes them go away when I pretend they're not there. But I do believe that getting more in touch with those... Um, uh, human vulnerabilities is very important, uh, at least to me. Um, I realize that's not funny, but part of me apparently needed to say it anyway. No, I, I, I really value that. I think that, um, you know, for a lot of the podcasts that I've, I've interviewed people with, a lot of the topic is hardship of life and, you know, how life can kind of just produce yeah. gruesome challenge, in my experience at least. And I don't devalue that, but yoga for me has definitely brought this high amount of acceptance and just like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be shitty. Yeah. Man, those are relieving words. I hope everybody heard what you just said. It's okay to not be okay. When you're in a space where you're just genuinely not okay, you're hurt. Like you're a freaking human. Don't give me this, everything's an illusion crap. Like, yes, that might be true in absolute reality, but welcome here to your relative reality. If you're not doing okay, give yourself the grace of allowing that to be as well. 
Nice, man. JP, thank you so much. You're for welcome, taking brother. some time, brother. It's so beautiful to meet you, hear you, and learn about your life and, you know, how you're showing up in the world because I think that you're making a, a big splash for mm. people's awareness. It's great. Oh, I appreciate that perspective. And thank you again, Alec, for having me on your podcast. Awesome, brother. Namaste. Namaste to you, too. <laughs> I love it. Peace, brother. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and uh, I am here at Symbiosis Gathering. It is a beautiful community of like-minded people looking to connect and build community. So I'm really excited to be here. I'm sitting across from Mr. Kumare. If you haven't seen his video, we will definitely be posting links and sharing more about this this uh, very funny uh, uh, excursion that he enters. He brings people to, to really, I found it to be revealing the self-wisdom that is innately within all of us. And he's looking to, to, to have that shine no matter who we are, where we are, what life obstacles are showing up for us. Anyways, Kumari, thank you for taking a few minutes from your time here at Symbiosis to reveal to us who you are. Okay, thank you for having me and uh, thank you for Symbiosis for inviting Kumari. Mm. Kumari, could you tell us how yoga was first revealed to you? My teacher, his name was Kumari and it took me some time before I met that teacher. You see, as a young boy, I had so many I different ideas. I had the family that taught me to have a God. It, in a traditional Hindu setting, old Vedic kind of way. And then society, they had a colonial society and there was a western influence. They said Jesus. And then there was Allah. And then I also read there was a Buddha. So I had all this experience, I had all this knowledge, but I had very little wisdom. So I went to try to find the teachers, where the teachers will be. I went to all of the places you would go for a tour for the teachers. So I went to the university and then I went to India, the regions in India, Alikash is the place. And I went to all these places, in Nepal, Himalai, and I met all the teachers. But every teacher I could see that there is some flaw. And then at some point, I decided that there is only one place to go. And that was to go inside Kumari. Mm. And at that point, I had found the teachings of yoga from Kumari. And then uh, what inspired you to want to share that with people here in America? You see that there is a search for self here. We are looking for the true self. Everyone saying, I want to be authentic. You should meet this man, he is authentic. <laughs> and then they have all the gurus. And at some point this very popular guru says, Oh, I have, sorry, I was saying that I did not have money, but I have a good amount of money. Hmm. Or he says, I am a monk, but okay, I have a harem. So you see this, all the, all the great teachers, they are following. So I see this problem, and I wanted to say to the USA, because I wanted to say to myself, that it is not a matter of finding your true self, it is a matter of creating that. And so that is why I had to come and teach the Kumari ideas. So that other people also see that. If I did not come, I would myself not believe it. <laughs> In your film, towards the very end of the entire journey of spending how many months with those individuals? Some different months for different individuals. 
but well, uh, there is many months. Uh, out of the many months spent on that last day when you brought everyone into the room and you cut your hair and you you know you changed everything, some people were really upset. But for me, I felt a lot of empathy for your experience because I felt like you were connecting to a part of you that maybe you didn't even expect. It was like this preconceived notion or maybe a preconceived expectation of what was to be delivered was just so new. It was like like a phoenix being reborn. Do you have anything to say about that day and how people's reactions were to you and maybe how your reactions to your own self was? You see, we have this idea that you will do something to the world. And then the opposite idea, the world has done something to you. And we have that conflict. But it was only from the day of the great unveiling that I myself could understand that I had become Guru Kumari. And that I had not done not that I had not done something to create it. That I myself and the students. We had created Kumari together. Mm. There is so much self-doubt in all fanatics. There is equal parts doubt. And therefore, I had a feeling in my heart Mm. that the only way to become Kumari would be unveiling my true self. Mm. If I did not unveil, my true self, mm. I would never have been Kumari. Mm. And it is that feeling that we are in this whole thing together. Yeah. I had to put myself in that place. And if I did not, I would also feel like a coward. Mm. How can we reveal our true selves to the world? It is a, not something where you reveal as if you are removing some shawl and showing your naked body. If it was like that, then we would all be running around revealing our true self. <laughs> I think that there is some confusion in our minds. We have too many different costumes and masks. And underneath that, there is someone. And if we can focus on that one, and we can look at the world, then we can use action to create something very good. I don't know if it is revealing true self, creating the true self. Mm. Mm. So in this festival scene, in this gathering that symbiosis is, what has your experience been in connecting with other individuals as you're walking down, down the path? Well, I like to take photos with people I have not met. If you enjoy that, it is nice. If you like to hear how many beats you can put in one minute, it is also a good place for that. Mm. But underneath that sound in the photo, there is some nice feeling. Mm. That in this area, there are some good people with good ideas. Mm and that it is important to use this to remember that we are together. We do not have to isolate ourselves in our tiny worlds, into our phones, into our blueberries, in androids, that we can connect. So that is good. And also to be in nature is very good. All of that, and there is a, it is nice, young people coming together. Remember, we need, in this country, you need some kind of ritual. You don't have it. How can we wake up to finding ritual of something that resonates in each of our own heart? Well, one, one thing I have seen is to take from every culture. You can go and take the headdress from one culture and you can take the, the shoes from another culture and you can take the pants and you can take and mix and match and you can make a masala mm. of it. And when you do that, you may create some pretty images, you may have some nice smells, but the reality is 
you will not feel full if you only take the spices. Mm. It is our duty to decide together and it can change and shift. What is it that we should be putting our direction to? And how can we remind ourselves of that? And I believe that this place, this ritual and other ones, we are creating a new way to act together. New value system, one that is making more sense than the one before. You don't need to wear a big hat and uh, wear good robes and things like that to, to lead others. And you don't have to have a imaginary God to find importance. We can do it together. So it is a path that we are on and it is important to stay positive. Mm. What about when challenge and darkness arises? How do we stay positive in the hardship that sometimes life can produce? Is that faith? You see, when you are the center of your study, everything feels very big. Mm. You have a love, you have been with the lover. When you are around the love, you feel that your stomach is going in, down. You feel it inside. And you are full happiness. And then when the lover is gone, and they have left, they are going with someone else, you feel equal amount empty. And the world is gone. You have decided that it is over. all the world is over now. And then, when you hear the same story about someone over there, they were in love and then somebody left them, you say, okay, well, that happens. So when you are the center of your story, everything feels big and dark. When you are not, it is just part of life. It is a small thing. You, you use that word cliche. All our big problems are cliches. Mm. And if they are not, then you should be happy that you have a good life mm. with many adventures. Many gifts. Yeah. Last question, Kumare. One golden nugget of wisdom that you have experienced upon your life in this form, on this planet, that you'd like to share with the listeners, the practitioners on our podcast as they carry forward on their life? What I would see is that we are in a society that is trying to grasp. Mm. It is as if you are trying to touch your toes You are doing a forward bend and your legs are tight. So you try to grab your toes. <laughs> and you grab them. And then like a bow on an arrow, a string on a bow, you lose them. What have you done? Nothing. We are the society of trying to grab it. And it is easier and more important that you do not have one experience that is so great. You may never have a moment of enlightenment. You may have eaten with the shaman, the plant, and said, okay, that was okay. You don't have to have a life change. Experience every day. You have to focus on trying to do the same thing all the time for your whole life. And that is good enough. It is better to, to not to try to be a guru. It is try, better to try to be just just any person who is not who is on the right path. Mm. So I would say you don't have to grasp. You can just move slowly. Mm. Thank you so much, Kumari, for okay. taking time. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. We hope you got a good laugh 
and left you feeling inspired. You can check out JP Sears at awakenwithjp.com and watch his YouTube videos. They are pure gold and they will definitely bring a smile to your face. To get in touch with Kumare, go to kumaremovie.com and watch his video via Netflix. Next to yoga, music is a huge passion of mine, and highlighting Symbiosis Gathering was such a gift. You can attend Symbiosis Gathering in Oregon of August 2017. There will be a total solar eclipse, where the sun will be blacked out in the middle of the day, stars will be seen, and the awareness will be focused on a single point within the community for 45 minutes, cultivating consciousness and connection. The early bird tickets are available via the Yoga Revealed website and blog description. We hope to see you. This is Alec Vishal Rubin here to share love for life with you. Thank you for listening always. Namaste. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.